Good evening, everybody. My name is Kelvin. I'm an alcoholic. Sober day to the grace of God, the miracle of Alcoholics Anonymous. I've been drinks October 10th, 1996. Man, you guys look good tonight. Good deal. Um, it, I always get kind of just that, you know, when I get here on Tuesday night. It's just one of those deals where I, when, it, when Tuesday hits, it's just like I get excited. And the reason why I get excited is because I get to join and see the miracles of Alcoholics Anonymous happen around me among my fellows. And I get to see the people and see their lives just transform in front of me. I get to see people that come in that have absolutely nothing, have no, have no love in their hearts, have no family, have no nothing when they get here. And then they turn around and they just get just get so much from Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, we have four birthdays tonight. People's families are here and, and everything else. And I see that kind of stuff, and it just, just gets me charged. You know, I just get excited to see that kind of stuff going on. And, and if you can't tell, I'm a little jazzed up tonight. I'm ready to rock, so this is going to be a good deal. Which means I'm probably going to totally flop. But, you know, Chad comes up to me and goes, say something nice about Bolte. So, something nice about Bolte. I don't know where he went. There he is. Anyway, <laughs> no, Chad's one of my very good friends in Alcoholics Anonymous, and, uh, and we share a special relationship, and it's uh, one of those things that you... No, not that kind of special relationship. He is kind of cute. But, um, you know, I remember growing up, and I remember... Being around, and I was always one of those people, and, and you hear people talk about it from the podium now and then, but I've always been one of those people that constantly, constantly compares my insides to other people's outsides. I've always done that my entire life. I will sit there and see people, and they look good. Because most, most of us in here, most of us in here, almost everybody in, I'm going to say everybody in here because I don't want anybody's feelings. Everybody in here looks good on the outside, for the most part. And... Uh, <laughs> And when and you don't just see people's, you know, insecurities sitting on their shoulder all the time, you know, because if you did, I mean, it would just be horrible because I mean, you come up to me some days. I mean, if I if I wore what I actually felt some days, I'd be sitting there with a noose around my neck and, and a sniper rifle sitting on top of a tower somewhere. It's like nobody say anything to me today, you know, because there's days I just get angry and, and just kind of mad at people and and. And Bruce. Hi, Bruce. Bruce is waving at me. Everybody, hi, Bruce. Hi, Bruce. Bruce is going to the, uh, to, to, to the Special Olympics this weekend and, and stuff like that. He's going out there to do that deal. And it's one of those things where he's come in and he's got a chance to, to really go forth and, and fulfill some of his dreams and do that kind of stuff. And I think it's great. And, uh, and I'm really excited to see what you're going to do this weekend. Bring home the gold, baby. We're all pulling for you. But um, but I always sat there and always compared my insides to the people's outsides, no matter what. I've always done that, and I've always been one of those per one of those people that have been like, if I had a, you know, if I had his car, if I had his girl, if I had their money, if I had this, if I had that, if I had this, if I had that. The problem is, is that if you sit there and constantly do that, like I do, you never feel complete. And that's why when I walked around, I walked around with a huge hole in my gut my entire life. It always seemed that people weren't looking at me. It seemed that they looked right through me. And, it, and you just can't shake that feeling. When you get that feeling, you can't shake that feeling. And the thing is, is that I didn't know what to do because I always just sat there and felt empty and hollow and shallow inside. I was the kind of person that I would sit there and just, just dream of being someone else. Just dream of 
things you saw on TV and things, people that you saw that were exciting, you know. I mean, I remember, and I'm a big Scar, a big Al Pacino fan, huge Al Pacino fan. Oh, yeah. And the whole thing is, I remember when I was a kid and uh, Scarface was on, you know, my dad had got Scarface. And I'm sitting there and I was just like, oh, I want to be Tony Montana, you know. <laughs> I want it. When I, I'm I'm six five years old, and I I want to be a drug lord. You know, I want to have like cars and women and and drugs and shout out to my girlfriend. You know, I want to blow people up, man. That's what I want to do, I and mean, that's exciting to me. You know, and if you don't think that way, then you ain't like me. But if you do think that way, welcome, baby, welcome, because that's the way I get. I I I just see stuff like that, and I get excited because. I want to be in that world. I want to live in that reality. That's what I want because I'm not comfortable being me. I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. I don't feel comfortable just being around people because the thing is is that my mind tells me that you're judging me. My mind tells me that, you know what, my clothes aren't good enough. You know what, I'm too heavy. Or you know what, I'm just bald, you know. And I'm going bald, you know. And the thing is, I can't look at Brandon because, you know, if I look over there, the glare would just kind of like hit me, you know, because he's got the spots coming up here too and everything, you know. And for anybody that's going bald out there, welcome to the club. You just got to let it go, baby. Just let it go because it's just, it's nature and it's going to happen. And bald is beautiful. And I'm beautiful. So, yeah. And I believe that. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, I never felt like that before. You know, if, if somebody would have said, came up to me, and, and, and when I was a kid, you never would have thought I was going to be bald. You never would have thought I was going to be bald because I had a fro. And I'm talking, I had a huge fro. I'm talking like, you know, naked gun when he's stepping sideways through the door, you know. And the whole thing is, is that Michael Jackson was big, so I took my fro and I gelled it and I pulled that thing down the middle of my head. Oh, yeah, baby, I had it going. And the jacket with all the zippers that didn't go anywhere that was patent leather, I had that. And then the thing is, is that I saw Michael Jackson. I'm like, Michael Jackson's cool. Michael Jackson is the coolest thing on the planet. I mean, I mean, he's ee and to do all that stuff, you know. I mean, I mean, that's it's anybody that can go ee and make women just go ah. That's the coolest guy on the planet, as far as I'm concerned. You know, I mean, he sounds like like a freak up there, you know. But people are just like, he's the man, and I'm like, I want to be like Michael. So I got myself a white glove. <laughs> I got myself a white glove, and I was like, if Michael's got a white glove, Michael's cool. So I wore a white glove, and I got almost beat up, you know? <laughs> and I say almost beat up because I wasn't going to let anybody beat me up. <laughs> but um, I just sat there, and I just, just didn't feel right. Because the thing is, it seemed that no matter what I tried to do, I would change the way I looked on the outside to make myself feel better on the inside. And I would do that in order to just, just feel okay for a little while. I'm going to feel okay just for a little while. And the thing is, is that if I feel okay for a little while, then as soon as somebody doesn't give me that recognition that I think I, sh think I deserve, I will turn around and it crushes somebody like me. I am, I am one of those people, I'm a feeler by nature. I automatically will feel your look at me, you know. And normal people don't relate to that. Normal people don't relate to that. They're just like, well, Jim might be having a bad day. That's why he has that scornful look on my face, on his face, you know. I see Jim, and I'm like, Jim doesn't like me. Jim hates me. Jim don't even know me, you know. But I feel that way about Jim, you know, and that's, that's just the way I am. That's the way I am. And if you're like that as a kid, you will always try to find something to just fill that hole. 
And I tried sports to fill the hole and, it, and, and everything else like that. And I did pretty well in sports going up and everything. So when I was doing well in sports, it seems like I had a few friends and I got a few accolades and I was in the paper for this or whatever for that. And I just felt pretty good when that was happening. But the problem is, is that you can't always be doing something. You know, so you just the rest of that time, I just felt trying like I was playing catch up, playing catch up, playing catch up all the time. And I just remember always feeling empty. And what I did, I got a chance to do when I was about 12 years old was get a drink of alcohol. And that changes something for somebody like me. When I drink, drinking to me is just, I'm not going to bad mouth drinking. I think drinking, when, when I was drinking, drinking was great. You know, I mean, I'm not going to sit here, alcohol destroys people. You know, I'm not going to sit up here and try to speak about something like that. I thought alcohol was the greatest thing on the planet. I thought alcohol was the greatest thing since sliced bread, man. I mean, you give me some alcohol, it's time to go. It's party time because I feel good. It takes that hole that's gaping in my gut and it slams it shut. And I feel whole and I feel complete. And I I feel like I can look you in the eye, and I don't care what I'm wearing. I don't care what you're wearing. All I care about is that right now I feel equal. No, I don't feel equal. I feel better than you most of the time. So I sit up there, and I just, ah, alcohol just fills somebody like me. And my shoulders kick back a little bit. And my waistline sucks up a little bit. And all of a sudden, I look like Vin Diesel, baby. You know? And I'm popping. And I'm, I just, I didn't have any muscles when I was a kid, boy. But I was flexing in the mirror. I was, you know, I do that because I felt great when I drank. The only problem is, is that I can't drink all the time. I can't do that all the time. So when I'm not drinking, I feel less than than I ever had before. And I will constantly try to chase that first buzz, constantly try to chase that first feeling that I had. And I'll go through that continually until. And tell what happens. I don't know what happens. It seems that I feel pretty good when I get about five or six drinks in me. I'm like, yeah, just kind of relax a little bit. The thing is, what happens in my mind, when I have five or six, I feel good. What's 10 or 12 going to do? That's going to make me feel twice as good as I do now. What's a case going to do, baby? Let's find out. It's time to go, you know. And I don't, there's normal people here tonight, so I've got to say this. Have you ever watched a normal person drink? Normal people do this. They get their little mix, they get their little drink, they pour their little mix, the little drink into the little mix, and it's like they portion it out. You know, it's just like, oh, wait, I have a little bit too much there. I'm going to put the rest of this little bottle over here because I don't want to put too much in there. And they stir it this way, and they stir it back that way, and it's driving me nuts. I'm like, drink it! Drink now! You know, what are you doing? You're not making love to the thing. Drink it! You know? For the taste? If you're drinking, you're drinking Jack Daniels for the taste, man, you're in the wrong place, you know? I don't drink tequila for the taste. I drink tequila so I can feel like Superman, you know? That's, I don't understand people like that. I've got a sister-in-law of mine that is normal. My wife, normal. Well, you would say she's normal by her behavior. She's married to me, so she's got to be a little, a little bit. But, you know, and her family's normal. And I just remember sitting there, and we're out at the lake here uh, a year or two ago or whatever, and and and... I count drinks, too, now. You know, if you're sitting there, you're at an employee party, and it's like, that guy's had four drinks. You know? <laughs> he's either going to make a fool out of himself, or people are going to start thinking he's the man. What's going to happen? You know? I start, I, start, I start analyzing people's drinks. So my sister-in-law had, had three, three beers. Well, she had the third beer, walks into her apartment, and comes back out with a glass of water. And I'm like, didn't you just have a beer? She goes... 
yeah, I had to dump the rest out. It was getting a little warm, and, and it's hot out. It was like 95 that day, you know, and it's hot out here, and I'm starting to get kind of lightheaded, and I'm like, the magic's getting ready to happen. Tank, go, you know? What are you doing? Six, ten more. You're not going to feel the heat. Matter of fact, it's going to be great outside. You don't, you drink till you pass out. Go. And I say that, and, they, and the whole family looks at me like, what is wrong with you, you know? What is wrong with you? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? You know? They got... My father-in-law will take a little... Half a little thing of brandy and just sit there and nurse it. What is... What's the deal with that? Ice and drinks? Who, who puts ice and drinks? You know? That gets in the way. You know? You can't slam it with ice there. You'll chip a tooth. You know? I've never seen any... John Wayne... He didn't have ice in his shot glass. Okay, you know, and he's done, you know. You put some ice in there, wham, and you break your tooth off, and you're sitting there like, I'm so worried, you know. You know, your tough people don't put ice in drinks, you know. And you can always tell who the Al-Anons or the normal people are at a party. I take the cap off a bottle, it hits the floor. People like that are like, hold on, let me get that for you. I'm like, don't need it. Bottle's gone, you know. It's time to roll, you know. And the thing is, alcohol was beautiful to me. Alcohol's beautiful to somebody like me. When a bartender would crack the top off a beer and slide it across the counter and the sweat's coming down it, I started getting choked up. <laughs> that might as well be a Van Gogh. You know, it's beautiful. Oh. You just want to, like, hold it. You know, it's just, it's beautiful. Alcohol was beautiful to me because I knew what it was going to do. It was going to complete me. It was going to make me feel whole inside. And pretty soon, I wasn't going to have to feel the way I was feeling before. Pretty soon, I knew it's go time. And I know that I'm going to be okay. As soon as, as, soon as I took the crack the top of a beer, before it even hit my lips, it was like, oh, I'd feel okay. Because I know what's going to happen. I know when I put alcohol in my body, things are just going to calm down. I know when I put alcohol in my body, stuff's just going to go, and everything's going to be okay. I know that. I know that. The problem is, is that everybody else around me is going, don't you think you drink a little bit too much? You know, you didn't have to hit that person. You didn't have to say those things to that person. You didn't have to do this. You didn't have to do that. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? You know, they're just, they're on you. And it's just like, don't you understand you know, if it made you feel the way I feel, why? Why wouldn't you do it too? I tended to hang out with people that drank like I drank. I drank with Simmons, man. Pounders, baby, let's roll, you know. I'm all about that. I'm all about that. I drank with people who drank like me. And I couldn't understand people would be like, yeah, we're going to go get some beer and maybe some boons and uh, maybe some wine coolers, you know. I'm like, let's do tag you know. Let's get a keg, let's get a bottle of Jack, let's get some... Black velvet, it's so cold, let's roll, you know? They're like, you want all that? Yeah, what are you going to drink, you know? Because <laughs> I'm not the guy who runs out. When I start getting low, I start stealing, you know? That's, that's what happens with me. The only problem is, is that eventually I have to start paying consequences for my drinking. Eventually, I, all these people that are around me all the time start kind of getting to me a little bit. Eventually, I start sitting there wondering why these other people drink, and they don't seem to have a problem. They drink, people aren't hounding them. They drink, they don't seem to have all the issues that I get to have. So what's the deal? Well, 
apparently the world's against me, and I developed a conspiracy theory, and I start saying, well, I'm getting pulled over because they know my car, and I do this, and I do that, and I do that, and it's, it's just a never-ending cycle for somebody like me, and I keep rolling and rolling and rolling, and I don't understand exactly what the deal is. I don't understand why you have to persecute me, you know, and I, I play the victim well. I play the victim very well. I will be the victim no matter what to people because I can justify bad behavior. The two main parts of my disease that just seems that seems to me to just cause the most havoc in my life and that I hear people talk about all the time is I have a phenomenon of craving and the mental obsession of the mind. Those are the two main things that I run into all the time. The phenomenon of craving happens to me when I take a drink. When I take a drink, my body says, get some more of that, Jack. Get it now. Let's roll. You know, mental obsession of the mind sits there. It's that monkey on my shoulder sitting there going, you've been sober for a little while. It's okay to have a drink. You've been, you're okay. You know, you just lost control last time. Just drink, just don't drink any whiskey tonight. Just, just have some beer, you know. No, no, no. The last time you drank MGD, you got crazy. Try Bud Light this time, you know. I, it will, it, I can justify things. It's that little monkey that sits on my shoulder and just sits there and just chatters in my ear nonstop non-stop, and it's just sitting there telling me it's okay. I can justify bad behavior with my mental obsession of the mind. I can justify, you know what, I know if I drink tonight, I might go to jail. I know that if I get in one more trouble, I'm going to go to prison. I know that if I do this one more time, mental obsession of the mind tells me, do it. You're not going to get caught. That's what mental obsession of the mind tells me. Mental obsession of the mind tells me, when I see a Smirnoff Ice video, uh, commercial, and I'm like, Smirnoff Ice looks kind of good. Where did that come from? Shut up! You know, and you just, you don't know what's going on, and you're just like, where did that come from, you know? Seven years sober, shit off ice is sweet. No, it's not. Yes, it's, no, it's not. Shut up! You know, and you're back and forth. That's what happens in my mind, because it's always going to be present. And the only time I have the defense against that is through constant action alcoholics anonymous. So what happens is, is that I lost everything. I lost everything. I had, I had scholarship offers across the United States, various different states, everything else for, for football and wrestling and whatever else have you, and I lost, I lost everything. I didn't have anything when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous. I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. My first meeting was on a Thursday. I hadn't showered since Sunday. I hadn't had a haircut in three months. I hadn't shaved in better than two or three months. I had like this big, nasty, freaky kind of fro, and I worked construction, so I had concrete in it and stuff. And then... And then <laughs> And then, and then uh, I got burned when I was a kid in the campfire in Cub Scouts. Yes, well, no, not like bad burn because I'm still pretty, you know, it's not like something like this or anything like that. But I sat there and they were like, "Don't get too close to the fire when you light it." And I'm like, you know, backflash. So I mean, hair doesn't grow in in every single spot on my face, you know. So I had this big patches coming out here. I basically looked like a chia pet on crack, you know. <laughs> All over the place. And, um, and so I walk into my first meeting and, and I get there right at the end of the, right at the, end of the meeting and, and I, then I, right at the, uh, one of the meetings was getting ready to start and this last person walking in the door goes, hey, welcome, good to see you here. I run downstairs and Kenny B talks. And Kenny gets up there and he starts telling a story. And what happens to me is this. A lot of people in AA get here because of treatment. Get here because of family intervention or anything else. I had went to an AA meeting, thought it was bunk because I didn't get any hope. I didn't get any kind of feeling of anything that was good there at all in any way, shape, or form when I went to that first meeting. So what do I do? I realize I can't drink with alcohol. I can't keep alcohol in my life. And I can't not drink alcohol. 
So what do I do? The only thing I think I can do. I grab my Spanish double barrel side-by-side shotgun. I'd use to hunt uh, grouse and pheasants since I was like 12 years old. I put a slug of double-odd buck in each chamber, snapped it closed, tied a kite string around the trigger, put the barrel in my mouth, pulled the string. String broke. That's only what I'm standing here tonight. That's what happens to me. That's where I get because I can't control anything. So, I, so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, well, I go to this AA meeting. That didn't work. Tried to blow my head off. That doesn't work. What am I going to do? My mom's going to see my mom getting her hair done by this guy, Rick and Minot. Rick is sitting there, and he's like, Shelly, there's this meeting. There's all these good guys there and everything else like that. He'll love it. And I'm like, that doesn't sound quite right, you know? So the rest of many of you got here through treatment, family intervention. I got here in Alcoholics Anonymous through a gay hairdresser. That's all I got here. There ain't nothing wrong with that. I happen to know what window treatments are. For those of you who don't, get in touch with your feminine side. <laughs> so what ends up happening is, is um, I go walking up to the door of this meeting, and, uh, and you know, that, that I, I'm sitting there, and I hear Kenny talk. I relate with what he's saying. Thought another conspiracy theory. I run out of there. And I go over to my friend's house. I grab a beer, throw it down. Go over to grab a second beer. And I don't even think I finished it, because the only thing going through my head is this. Why can't you go hang with these people? They seem to be happy. Somebody shook your hand tonight and said, welcome. Nobody says welcome to you anymore. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You know? And I decided I was going to get sober that night, and uh, my family had left to go to Winnipeg. And um, I called in sick to work, and, um, and I did. I got sober that weekend. I went to the DTs. I threw up blood. I um, almost died on the floor of my bedroom. And uh last thing I remember seeing is looking up and seeing this ugly yellow lamp I'd got at a secondhand store. The boys ran store in my aunt. And um, looking up at this lamp, and I'm thinking, I don't want to live. I don't want to live. Just don't let me wake up in the morning. And I woke up in the morning, I didn't know whether to be pissed or be happy. Because I'm sitting here again. You know, what am I going to do? And I knew that if I left the house, I'd drink. I knew if I left the house, I'd drink. So I stayed there. My family gave me the only support they've ever given me up to this point in Alcoholics Anonymous in my life. That week, they took me to work. They picked me up from work and because I knew if I stayed in the shop longer than two seconds, I'd be drinking with the guys. And I went to that next meeting on that Thursday. And I come walking up, come walking up to the meeting. And there's this guy standing there in a circle of people. And you'll see it outside here. And people will be standing outside and people are talking and laughing and everything else like that. This guy's standing right in the middle of this circle of people. And everybody seems to be gravitated towards this guy. And he breaks out of the circle. And it just seemed like the circle kind of just opened up like this. And he comes walking straight towards me. And he comes walking down the sidewalk right at me. And I'm thinking, man, I ran out of here last week. Nobody's going to want me around. And he saved my life right there and there at that point in time. Because he walked up and he said, welcome. Good to see you here. Then say, hey, man, uh, it looks like you ran out last week. I probably would have punched him and ran, you know. I didn't, I didn't know what to do because I, I had two emotions, anger and fear. That was it. Either I'm afraid of you, so I get angry. If I'm afraid of you, I punch, I, I fight, I say bad things, I hurt people, I try to break people down so they feel as bad as I feel inside. That's what I do. That's the two emotions I came to Alcoholics Anonymous with. This guy walks up to me and he shakes my hand, takes me over there and, put, and starts introducing me to people. Starts saying, and there's coming up, hi, good to see you here, blah, 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 this and this, that and that. I see a few people that I know from back in the day. I see Mike, I see Gerard, I see Simmons, I see all these different people, Travis and some other guys from mine. And I see these people, and I'm like, hey, I drank with these guys. I know this guy. 
Mike tried to tell me he was his brother and and stuff like that, and while he was dropping acid, and I was like, oh my god, that that guy's a liar, you know, and everything else. I mean, Mike had long hair and skull necklaces, and never the word out of the mouth was, mouth was the f bomb, you know. And you guys look at Mike now, and you're like, there's no way Mike can do that. I got pictures, you know, <laughs> I got pictures, hippie boy, and um, everything else, and and they, they're talking, and, and they're they're making me feel welcome. And they take me out to coffee afterwards, and they're sitting there, and, and I'm used to being rejected by women. That's, that's no problem for me. I mean, I've been slapped I don't know how many times, you know, like, no, okay, I understand. How do you really feel about it, you know, is, is, is how my response usually is. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and, and everybody's talking about sponsorship, and this guy, Jeff, was sitting there, and he's talking, and da-da-da-da, and everything else, and I felt lovey, and everything else, this is so great, these beautiful people love you here, and, and everything else, and... And I go up to this guy, and I'm, like, kicking the dirt, and I'm like, yeah, I heard a lot of what you guys said about sponsorship. It sounds pretty good and everything else. And I dropped, like, ten hints, you know, like I wanted this guy to sponsor me, and he made me ask, you know. He's like, so what are you trying to say? I'm like, who's one if you sponsor me? And he goes, okay, this is what I want you to do. And I'm like, oh, man, there's already a list, you know. And what ended up happening was, as he turned around right then and there at that point in time, and he saved my life. When I walked up and I saw Jeff V., it was one of those things that I will never, ever, ever forget. His eyes were clear. And when he looked at you, there was like love in his eyes and, he, and truth. And you just saw him and he just, and he just wore a sobriety like a, like, a, like a suit of armor. And he bears witness of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it just, it just drew me towards this program. And one person impacted me like that. I, you get flack in the community. You guys go to that meeting. You guys dress up. You put on suits and ties and da 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 You're damn right. We wear a sobriety here. You know, we, we represent Alcoholics Anonymous because that one newcomer walking up, we may be the only example of the big book they get to see. We may be the only example they get to see ever. That doesn't mean that other people aren't wearing suits and ties at their meeting that they're bad. That's, that's fine. AA is all-encompassing. There's a lot of people who won't put a tie on and come somewhere. That's fine. You can go anywhere you want to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. I believe in wearing my sobriety. I believe that I have to represent Alcoholics Anonymous to the best of my ability. That doesn't mean that I speak for AA, because if I did, AA would be in a big world of trouble. You know? <laughs> I want people to judge me on my intentions, not my actions. You know? If you judge me on my intentions, I could be the Pope. You know? People would be like, here you go, kiss my ring. You know, I mean, if you judge me on my intentions, I could be that way. Because if you judge me on my intentions, it would go something like this. Kelvin didn't mean to say what he said to me. He didn't mean to tell me, hey, nice tie when I was wearing a T-shirt. Kelvin didn't mean to say, hey, man, maybe you should shave. Kelvin didn't mean to say, hey, maybe you should uh, have a coat on when you go up to find the podium to hurt my feelings. He was just trying to make me feel better. You know, that's the way people would see it. And then people wouldn't resent me. You know, people, would, people wouldn't be like, Kelvin just opens his mouth too much and says the wrong thing. You know, people wouldn't say that. They'd be like, Kelvin's so loving. He's great. You know, <laughs> if you judge me on my intentions, not my actions. So <laughs> make a long story short, um, Alcoholics Anonymous basically saved my life. And, um, and uh, my sponsor took me through the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My sponsor started teaching me how to be active and helpful in other people's lives. And she taught me how to start sponsoring. And I tell this story, and, and some people's jaws drop, and they're like, God, that's ridiculous. That, that should have never happened, you know? I went to my first meeting after being there that, that Tuesday. So I had about almost two weeks of sobriety. And I walk into that 
walked in that meeting that next week, and there was a part of the format of the Monday Thursday night group that said, anybody willing to be a sponsor, please raise your hand. The people would throw their hands up. And my sponsor nudges me, and I throw my hand up. And up comes gangbanger, fro boy, every other word, mother effort, and everything else walks to me, yo, man, I was just wondering if you, like, mother effing sponsor me in, in S. You know? And I'm like... Um, I didn't even know what a sponsor basically was, except for this guy took me out to coffee and started telling me things I didn't want to hear right away, you know. So I'm like, so you want me to boss you around and tell you to dress up? Um, hold on, let me get back to you. You going to coffee? Okay, I'll talk to you there. And uh, I started, I've sponsored somebody from the time I was two weeks sober until now, continuing throughout my sobriety. And basically, I didn't sponsor them in the beginning. I, my sponsor sponsored them through me. He told me what actions to take. He told me what to do. He told me, go out, spend time with this person, help this person, take them to a meeting, go over here, go over there. And he gave me direction, you know. You, people say sponsorship is about suggestions, you know. I don't treat my sponsors' suggestions as suggestions. I treat them as life or death situations because my own thinking will kill me in Alcoholics Anonymous. The way that I perceive life, the way that I look at other people will kill me in Alcoholics Anonymous. Why? Because my mind is twisted and I will take any situation and try to turn it around to my benefit. I'm manipulative and a liar and a thief by nature. That's what I am when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's, those traits don't always go away. Don't always go away. There's always something of that there. Today, my, uh, I, I, um, man. Today I, uh, I work a job that's uh, beyond my wildest dreams. Today I, uh, I have a wife that is absolutely beautiful to me. Today I have a, uh, a beautiful a uh, little girl that uh, is the highlight of my life. When I uh, when I walk up in the house, she's going, Daddy home, Daddy home. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve anything I have today. All the credit goes to Alcoholics Anonymous. Every single thing I have and every single thing I am is Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, that's the only reason why I'm standing here. You know, I get to sponsor a group of guys today that are insane and <laughs> and selfish and, and and if you have three sponsees don't move them in together unless you want like 5,000 phone calls a night you know James said this Patrick said this Adam said this <laughs> don't do it um, my time is done and um, and I just want to say real quickly this um, Alcoholics Anonymous has given me many gifts and has given me many things. And uh, my sponsor that I was talking to this last Sunday, and he turned around and he said, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous is funny. It gives you all these rewards and it gives you all these things because you turn around and you take altruistic actions and help others and do those things. But then Alcoholics, turn, Alcoholics Anonymous turns around and inconveniences your life and, and you have to make a choice, whether to be inconvenienced and continue to grow or whether to sit there, keep those things, and slowly fade away. I hope we never do that. God bless.